You're listening to Intelligent Data, a podcast by Proficient. Proficient is a global digital consultancy that's transforming how the world's biggest brands connect with customers and grow their businesses. Throughout this series, you'll learn how valuable data is today and how it can transform your business. And now here's our host, Arvind Morali, Data Chief Strategist and Principal at Proficient. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Data Podcast. In this podcast, you will hear from Samir Sharma, who's a thought leader in business and data strategy, talk about the business value of data. You will hear how strategy, process, and people or culture are the core pillars of data strategy. While we have a healthy argument on topics such as data literacy and self-service, you can hear different points of view on these topics and EU-specific data events such as data commons as well. Samir is very passionate about data strategy, and I hope his energy and the way he articulated gives you excellent takeaways from the show. The Intelligent Data Podcast was created with a single focus of articulating the value of data. There's no better person to talk about this than the guest I'm having in my show today. It is my pleasure to introduce Samir Sharma, a data strategy thought leader and the founder and CEO of DataZoom, a data strategy community builder, as well as a fellow podcast host of the Data Strategy Show. Samir Sharma, welcome to the Intelligent Data Podcast. Hey, Arvind. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on. Samir, can you introduce yourself to my audience and tell us who you are? What's your background? Sure, yeah, sure. My name's Samir, uh, Samir Sharma. As you said, I am the CEO and founder of DataZoom. Uh, my background, uh, gosh, you know, um, when I was three, I, no, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> so uh, I've been in, in, in working for the last 20 years. I don't want to go back that far, but what, what I can say to you is that um, data has typically been a very big part of the work that I've done um, over the years. And most of the the organizations that I've worked with have, have not focused on data. Can you imagine that? Um, so, so there's me sort of, you know, coming along and talking about data and how it can help uh, frame business outcomes. Um, and everyone's uh, more concerned about technology. But that's for another day. Um, so <laughs> so that, my background is very much in, um, it, yeah, you know, helping organizations get the most out of their data, building, you know, really successful data strategies um, and making sure they get, better business outcomes linked to all of their strategic objectives. So I think, you know, I've worked in all major industries that I, you know, I can think of over the years. And in, in 2011, I decided to uh, leave the corporate world and uh, start DataZoom. So it, it really was just about looking at the whole area of data and looking at how uh, companies at that time weren't really focusing on data strategy. So for me, it was a very early input into the whole data strategy framework, methodology, and so on, and working with early stage organizations that were leveraging data. And since then, you know, the company's grown in terms of what we do. Um, absolutely, we've got three pillars, data strategy, data management, and data science and innovation. Um, and we work across that complete value chain of data. Um, so that's really, you know, me. Um, and as you said, I, I, I run the data strategy show, which is great. And I've been loving it. And um, I guess I'm going to have to reciprocate now, aren't I, Arvind? <laughs> and, and quite rightly, yeah, you know, and, and just kicked off the data strategy community at large 
globally. So that's kind of quite interesting. Exciting times. There's, yeah, a, there's a lot going on. Um, let's start with, you know, what, what this data strategy is all about, right? I've been doing that for a while now, but every time when I go do a data strategy, it is different. There is no one size fits all kind of a methodology that you go into a company and say, here's a box, open the box, we're done. Data strategy is done. So can you explain to me, if you're explaining the three types of personas, the executives, the BU leaders, or the business unit people, and IT, would your message be different for these three personas? Or is there a common thread that you explain to them what is data strategy? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think for me, as I've always been consistent about data strategy, and whether you're in technology or whether you're in in a business unit or whether you're an executive, for me, it's really about leveraging the organization's data to create business value and gain competitive advantage. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. You can drive it down to the realms of each individual area, um, but at a, I think that, that, that way of saying it absolutely resonates with most of those people. So if I'm an executive, you know, I've, I've now got a roadmap and a plan, as I said, for leveraging, you know, my organization's data to create that business value and to compete more effectively. If I'm in a business unit, I'm doing that at a business unit level, but I'm absolutely tying into the whole strategic objectives and making sure that, you know, across the company and those goals are being met, but from my strategic business unit. As well as IT, if I'm going to IT, um, I'm, you know, I, I'm actually play, absolutely playing on the same thing. How do you, IT, make sure that you support the plans that are in place for a data strategy um, and create that, that value for the business to gain that competitive advantage? So I think you could spin it many different ways. Um, but essentially, it comes back to the same thing. I think the message is clear for me. Having a plan to, to, to leverage your data, to, to make yourself more competitive, and be successful at building better outcomes and better decision making. So if, if that doesn't resonate with most people, then, you know, I, I think there's an issue. But there is there, there are a couple of things that I'd, I'd just add. One is that data strategy can be misconstrued. And I'll just uh, elaborate on that. Please. When we talk about data strategy uh, across those areas, many people can look at it two ways. One is that it can be a technology play. And there's no reason that it can't be. So what I mean by that is some people, some people think of data strategy purely in the vein of, oh, it's just about storing data, or it's just about moving data, or it's about transforming data. And that's very much at the sort of plumbing level. So yes, when we get down to the view of now we know where the, the business wants to go, now we know what the business wants to achieve, um, and sorry, by this business this entity called the business, I mean the business units and, and the executives and the overall strategic objectives, then we can start to build out how we're going to get there and what we need. But we first need the why before we even think about anything. So I think we've got to abstract the technology and other layers from it first and come back up to that strategic view and then work through the rest of the principles that we need to get in place, like you know, building a data platform or, or, or you know, making sure we've got the right ETLs or ELTs and making sure we've got the right modeling tools and so on. But that shouldn't come first. It should be the first thing that, from a strategic perspective, we really understand the why around 
where we're going and what we need to achieve. So I think it's just when I see certain people in it talk about data strategy, they often talk about it at the technical end. Naturally, if I'm coming from a, a platform company, but, but I think even platform companies need to go back and start to think at it from a more strategic business lens rather than, you know, the, the sort of platform uh, basis. If I play this back to you, Samir, basically you've outlined two things. I almost feel that you're building, you're using that Lego block analogy, right? You're, you're building the blocks one at a time. So the foundation of data strategy is going to be your business value. How do you drive competitive advantage with the business value you're offering? And what is the plan to get there? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I'm going to add one more to it, which is what are the data assets that will let you get to that plan? A data asset is not a table or a column. A data asset is how you represent your business. Absolutely. How we model our business. And, you know, I, I think you've hit on something quite, quite key there for me in that where we talk about a data strategy, we don't essentially talk about data, which is a really weird thing for me to say, right? right. Um, and most people will listen to that and say, oh, that's a bit strange, Samir. Why would you say that? The, the fact is that most companies out there are absolutely, uh, that the first step that they do is look at what data do we have. Uh, but that doesn't define what the business wants to do. Okay, so when I flip it on its head, I am looking at what is the strategic objective and what are the business outcomes we need. And therefore, I can then pin that to what are the kinds of decisions and actions we need to take? And what are the business questions that are driving that? And then I can start to get to things like who are the people that that's going to affect? Um, and eventually I'll get to a system and I'll get to uh, a database and I'll get to data. But what I'm doing is I'm, I'm starting with a, you know, I, 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 recently, I don't know if you saw that my, my, my two pyramids, most people in conventional wisdom which I call it that everybody will say, right, just give me all the data and I'll try and do something with it. Well, that doesn't help, right? But if you spin the pyramid on its head, you start you know, with, with, with the tip, which is why are we doing this stuff and what do we need to get from it? And then you can go and find the data that you need. So that's why I say, don't speak about data first. It doesn't help. Actually come back, speak about you know, the business outcomes and the strategic objectives, and then go and find the data because you're more efficient. You'll scale quicker. Um, you you know it won't be it won't be that expensive and it you won't be having the you know eighty five percent failure rate which which is what most people do so yeah you, it just what you said resonated yeah absolutely and and what I'm trying to do is again from a scope standpoint right everybody there's a constant question what is data strategy there are so many thoughts to your point depending on who you talk there's no universal answer. There is a universal answer for what is data governance. Data governance institutes and TDWI, they've formed a point of view or a framework around it, right? There is a universal answer for what is analytics versus reporting. There is a good answer that's up and coming for what is data science. So these are all the facets of data strategy, but they're, or rather, these are the capabilities of data strategy that will deliver you the data assets you're looking for, for the business value. But the problem is there is no single answer. So I was trying to put that scope down um, now, one question, you touched up a little bit on the competitive advantage. So now I have my business value. I know what my competitive advantage in the marketplace is. I've defined what data assets that delivers that business value. I've now also defined the KPIs to measure and monitor that competitive advantage, right? Um, 
But there's also a technology piece. And part of the problem is the technology vendors, especially the platform vendors, they go in with a predetermined point of view on technology. So they tell you, we'll give you this end-to-end platform. You can do MDM, you can do data platform, analytics, machine learning, AI, and so on, all in our platform. Just throw all the data to us and we'll take care of it, right? So a lot of it is because the vendors offer you an end-to-end. And, you know, organizations that I talk to struggle because they sign a large contract with the tech vendors and then they say, now what do we do? We've got these whole suite of tools. Mm. How do we solve our business problem? But my yeah. question to you is, does technology strategy become the last mile of your engagement where you've articulated the value, the competitive advantage, but you still have to tell them how to execute on it? Sure, sure. So so let me start um, uh, with the point around where we engage with the client and certainly work with it in a data strategy capacity. And it's a good question. One of the things that we typically do as part of a data strategy is what we call our data accelerator. This is um, a type of data maturity. Let's, let's put it down as a data maturity. We, we, look at, we typically look at five areas. The top areas that I would consider that as I mentioned previously, which is don't start with data, the top three areas that I look at are strategy, which is a given because I need to know what the business is doing, yeah, where they're going uh, and why they're doing it. But equally, I will look at other strategy documents that are within the, um, the business. So I'm not fundamentally missing out on all of the other strategies that, that are there because there could be a digital transformation strategy. There could be some form of technology strategy. What we have to do is, if it was down to me, I wouldn't have anything else other than something called a business strategy. Mm. Yep. And everything else would be feeding into that, but it would be a pillar within that business strategy. And it would be one area, one place where everybody could go and see how are we going to create this big strategy document uh, or whatever it might be um, and how are we going to have all the, the enablers that are in there to support increasingly uh, uh, achieving our objectives as a business yeah the, the next thing that we typically do so I'm not miss so so I, I will as part of that whole uh, data accelerator is look at uh, the 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 end to end the holistic view of that organization which helps me understand where they've been what they've done why they've done it and perhaps why they've invested in particular tools um, and platforms as you said you know uh, that there's a misconception that a software platform will do everything for you the next thing I t- you know the other two elements the uh, as part of that triangle are business processes and people and culture. So I haven't even I haven't really looked, you know, under the covers and looked at the, the the systems and the data, but I'm getting a feeling for what's been going on, understanding um, either from a historical perspective why hasn't why hasn't that company um, achieved really great things and been successful with the, their previous data strategies, for example. Absolutely. And going and looking at business processes isn't futile because. As a data strategy person, I want to make sure that whatever I do from a data perspective is enabling those business processes and making sure that we can see how the handoffs 
go from one organ one part of the organization to another what are the triggers and what are the data requirements across that that they need that and and how are they answering particular measurement uh, questions or what any you know any other type of competitive questions that they might be asking for themselves in in that value chain across their organization so business processes are uh, you know might alarmingly when i ask for those you f- you find very few that are actually written in many organizations so that 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 has a uh, an adverse effect on whether you're going to be quite successful with a data strategy or not and if you catch that up front you can absolutely start to to work through uh, the those areas and start to align how you're going to help those those business units achieve what they need to achieve the third thing in that triangle is obviously the people and culture now i can't say this you know more importantly people and culture are one of the things that most data initiatives fail to focus on and that's why most of those initiatives fail so why do we put it up there in that triangle with strategy and process because it's fundamental to anything that we do as a transformation uh, piece of work so where we are working with a uh, a company who is striving to do their best around data strategy we absolutely have the conversations up front around culture which sometimes startles people because they think but hang on you're data people why are you talking to us about culture because we've seen the experiences that you know we've seen what's happened over time where companies haven't focused on that haven't really uncovered the issues and haven't been successful in what they're doing so just looking at it that way helps that a number of challenges and issues be brought to to the surface uh, raised with the c suite far quicker and then we can start to understand why the organizations have aren't successful in what they're doing or previous track records and start to change that view and be more successful the next thing we do is look at date is look at the data ecosystem and the final thing we do is look at the technology because i can't ignore the technology i i i'm not ignoring it in the way that no i don't want to see it i need to understand it because fundamentally they may have invested in something that we could reuse because there's no point in saying as part of the data strategy and that last and that last piece as you called it the technology will be this and you're you're going to have to remove everything you've ever invested in that wouldn't make sense there are going to be parts that they can keep so i think it is it, as part of that whole uh data strategy component that data maturity data accelerator is key in understanding that holistic view but that three parts of that the 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 triangle the, you know the triumvirate that is strategy business process and people and culture is so key um, but as i said earlier most people will miss that and they'll go straight to technology that that's the thing that 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 we're trying to build into the frameworks um and uh, you know shape the industry and change the industry in that way i i'm sure you would have heard uh the saying samir culture eats strategy for breakfast <laughs> lunch and dinner right so yeah. um Yeah. you can you can have a phenomenal strategy plan and a document and execution but without any adoption from your business it, it's just a it's just a beautiful looking document sitting down in the shelf right? absolutely yeah um yeah. no yep. so you you've you've mentioned a few times now um you know data driven value creation No I've I've talked about value creation but I've never used the word data driven. Oh my goodness did I say it? Terrible. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> well I'm I'm curious to know because data driven organizations seem to be a massive trending topic. And so I I look at it this way. There are two words to describe an organization. 
data savvy and data driven. So you might be a business unit who's using unlimited amount of Excel and access databases to run your business. I've seen large businesses, I'm talking 10 billion plus revenue organizations, running their finance department in a standalone access database, right? Without any security around it. These are large organizations. I call them data savvy because they the business knows how to hire a technologist and go build an access database, a pretty complicated access database, if you will, right? Which runs their business just fine. But they're not data-driven because they're missing the opportunity to go look at what marketing is doing and how much money are they spending in creating a campaign or how effective is sales in driving revenue. They're not considering that as a part of their books, right? General ledgers, if you will. So they, I don't consider that as data-driven, but I consider those kind of organizations as data-savvy. So that's what I was kind of looking at. What would Samir think of a data-driven organization? Have you seen that end-to-end handshake where every department knows what data they need, but they also know how to integrate that as an organizational goal instead of a departmental goal? Have you seen yeah. that? So uh, firstly, let me, let me respond to the, the phrase data-driven. I, I I believe that it's a phrase that is absolutely um, used as a buzzword, um, just like something like big data or, you know, one of those typical words that you hear everybody saying, or like AI, we want to do AI. We want to become data driven. I, I don't agree with it because I think it's just a, a it's a very generic term. So You don't think, even think it's a nirvana, Samir? No. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yes, we, we we yeah we have reached nirvana. No, I I don't think it is that, and and I think it's a it's a bandied around term which is just dropped into conversations. I prefer using value driven or value creation, because that is the thing that we are trying to achieve here. Right, we're trying to create value for organizations, and we're using data as an enabler to help support that. Right. Um, and for me, that's the essence of it. So when I do speak about value creation, it is purely around how do I create value for this business? Um, how do they leverage the, the assets that they've invested in? And how is that going to make them money? And in that, I haven't talked about, are you data-driven? You know, and I, you know, I think a, a CEO would say to me, Samir, what does that even mean? I, I'm, I'm just, you know, it, it's more about engaging with CEOs, their, the, the executives, the directors, and really understanding what, it is, what is it that they want to achieve within their business uh, organizations, business units. And then, Absolutely. you know, not even talking, as I say earlier, not even talking about data, because that confuses the whole element um, and idea, because then you get wrapped into a conversation about, uh, uh, you start getting into the conversation about technology. And, and that leads them into a nebulous. So I don't agree with the term. I think value creation or, or you know, value driven or, or even decision driven might be a better way of saying it. The, the reason why I don't believe it, it, you know, as in data driven is because most companies regardless have been using data for hundreds of years. It doesn't matter whether it's a balance sheet to review the way that the organization is performing um, or it's market data to review how our, you know, the competitors are behaving. People have been doing that for years. You and I know that. So this oh, yeah. term data driven is, 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 is just um, a way, it's a little bit like the term you used earlier, self-service. These are just bandied around terms that you know, a lot of companies who want to sell tech or software use. 
because they want you to believe that you need to become data-driven. But if you actually ask them what it means, they probably won't be able to tell you what it is. I got to. No, that, that's, a, that's a fair enough comparison and 100% agree with you. Data, data is the only thing that hasn't changed since the dawn of Stone Ages, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the delivery of data, consumption of data, creation of data has changed over the, you know, over the last thousand years or whatever. Right? Absolutely. But the data as an asset representing a business has never changed. Yeah. And it started with what? Paintings on the wall. Right. That's how we used to communicate information. That's right. So, you know, and it was simple. That is still a piece of data representing a process, right? Correct. The process yeah. in that case was hunting. How do we use spears to go hunt a rhino or whatever, right? Yeah, you could see how the, the, the victory in the eyes of the people who had, who had done battle with the buffalo or whatever it was, That's you know. Right. Um, <laughs> so, right. yeah. So, so let's talk about this culture a little bit more, right? With the sprawl of digital devices, you know very well, there's a, what digital transformation means is you just have a lot more data that is getting created by many more types of devices, which means more opportunity for you to consume it in a meaningful way that it delivers business value. Now, an important aspect of this is that data literacy. You touched up on it a little bit on your uh, tri triangle, right? People and culture are the key for adoption of data strategy or adoption of this business strategy, if you will. I'm going to use your words. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what does data literacy mean to you? Do you have a point of view? And does, you know, does data literacy change from even five years ago? Now IoT is becoming the new thing, right? And I don't mean it in a technical way. I mean, there's more ways for you to be competitive by using the data right. And there's more newer ways for you to think about business models. Amazon made a whole business model around their platform strategy. So did Facebook. So did YouTube. How do normal organizations think about, and I'll touch up on data monetization as well, because now is an opportunity for you to how to use this data to even make money out of it. So what do you think about data literacy, Samir? Gosh, I'm going to be really controversial on your show today. <laughs> I don't agree there is any such thing. There's no data literacy? No, no I, I don't think. I, I think it's a fallacy, to be honest. Okay. It's a mechanism by which um, people have used the term to, to sell more product, right? And I think what's happened over time is we've had phrases like data democratization or self-service, big data. Now, all of these terms have led, supposedly, to a, a huge issue around data literacy, okay? And this is, this is where I take, I'm at odds with it, because I think it's been fabricated to, to as I said, sell more product, but I don't think there is a um, a data literacy issue per se. Now, now I am going to get stoned for this, no doubt. Um, but I think where we sit in the whole gamut of culture is where we should be pinning our hopes on in order to be more successful with initiatives around data and people. Because most people in organizations, if you give them a new tool and you give them a bunch of data, do you really think they're going to know what they are doing with it? Even if they've been trained, but they're sitting at the end, at, at the sort of business end, and they have no access to, uh, you know, a, a, for example, they've been trained in, in a particular product. They've been told, well, you know, load up the data and start analyzing it, which is the way that self-service and data democratization was always viewed. 
I think most of those people will probably say, thank you very much, and I'll carry on with my job. M some people may use it, which, which they will, and they will look at it in a hard way to say, here's the absolute thing that I need, and I will use that piece of data, um, and I'll use it in a way that I can tell a story. Now, it may not be the story that their um, colleague is saying, because the co their colleague is using a different story from the same data. So I think there's, a, there's something here which tells me we've done it wrong in, in the data industry by, doing, uh, by, by talking about data literacy. I think what we haven't done is had effective and meaningful conversations with the people who are going to be using this. And by that, what I mean is all we've done is given them a tool. And we haven't really looked and mapped at what they do day to day. We haven't said, well, at this point in your day-to-day -day process, what do you specifically do here? All we're doing is saying, we've got this new system and we're going to give it to you because it's going to be a, a, a much, you know, you, you, the advantage is that you're going to do your job, you know, in a, in a far more efficient and, and, and you're, going to be, you're going to improve what you do daily. Well, that's not true because you're not absolutely seeing the end-to-end -end of their the, the journey that they take, what they do in the morning, how they create that particular bit of um, uh, data that they do from a system, how they use that, uh, you know, by, by pushing it downstream into another product, how that product then blends with another piece of data. So I'm talking about the end-to-end -end of this stuff. Now, no one tool can do that, yeah? Uh, and that's where I see it's wrong. So I don't think we need to be putting a tool in at the end, in that last mile. And that's why most dashboards, most analytics, most of those um, products that are built are not effective. So I think the thing is, you've got to understand from a human capacity, from a cultural angle, what is that individual doing? And you can absolutely, instead of putting in a dashboard, it might be a workflow. It might be understanding at this point, there's a handoff and you need a trigger there because they need this kind of data to make that decision. And this is the hard work that most companies don't do. Now, I say that quite quite broadly, but I've seen it in a lot of companies. They don't map that journey process out, and then they don't layer in what is the data that's required across that, and how do we absolutely become more, how do we how do we seamlessly put that those data elements um, into the way that that person works, and therefore. They're not thinking about, oh, now I need to go to that dashboard. And what does that mean again? How do I do that? It might be within the trigger of what they do. It flows out. It comes, comes to them and they intuitively know. Uh, uh, because, you know. And that, I think, is missing. Because we don't start from a decision perspective, we start way down in the data world. So that's my biggest issue with data literacy. If we start up at the decision point of view and we understand the decisions that those people need to make on a day-to-day -day basis, on a monthly basis, on a yearly basis, hey, presto, we've got a much better way of looking at that individual and driving the activity that we need as opposed to just saying, here's a new system and you're going to use it. Because that's largely what most organizations do. So I'm going to challenge you a little bit there. I, I, Go for I, it. I hope you're okay. I'm fine. Here's a different perspective on data literacy. And this is coming from a gentleman by the name of Jordan Morrow. Okay. Uh, we'll put in a TEDx talk that he did, uh, I think about a couple of years ago, uh, which subsequently led to have him speak in World Health Organization that data literacy is real. Uh, he, here's what he said. 
I wake up in the morning. I go to my refrigerator. By golly, my refrigerator tells me, good morning, Jordan. You're running out of milk today, right? And then he opens to find out that he's ran out of milk, but it just alarmed him in the morning when he needed it the most for his coffee. Versus what happens in the future is that his refrigerator is going to talk to an Alexa or Google Home or what have you, and which is going to send you a text message saying two days before this happens, hey, you ran out of milk, you need to go to the grocery store, otherwise you will run out of it based on the pattern of usage in another two days, right? Now, the example, the reason I'm bringing up this example is behind the scenes, this is all data and analytics that is actually giving you this information through a digital device called the refrigerator, right? If a normal human being who's been running the finance organization or using general ledgers for, let's say, 30 years in the same organization, and he or she does not know there are better ways to use it. It's not about the tool. It's not about the technology. It's about the consumption of information in an easier way so that he or she can focus on the strategic aspects. I've lost 10% of my revenue in the last three months. I want to go deep dive on why am I losing it? Which parts of my business are run, not running efficiently? And I need the data to go do some analysis to do that exactly, right? These are the more prescriptive set of actions that a CFO can take by under, by giving them that data literacy understanding of how to think about this new future. Again, not about the technology. It's about giving decisions or actions to take in the hands of business instead of focusing on building on those insights. But you right? just you you've just validated my point, decisions and actions. If we start at that end of the spectrum, that's right. It's it's more and that's what I'm saying. So I I don't think that me knowing about whether my fridge is running out of you know milk it, it, it's more about that seamless view um right. and whether it's going to be you know uh, in 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 the future Alexis ordering me a new pint of milk uh, and off I go I don't care about the IoT that's actually happening in the yeah, back end I, I all mean, I that care about matter. is my phone is telling me I'm running out of milk, which is great, two days before that event actually happens so that I can go and get milk from the grocery. That's all I care about. Yeah, and, right? and, and the thing is, what, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, in, in organizations, we tell people, you know, there's two things that we tell people. One, they're not data literate, which is crazy. And two, that they, they will never change, which I hear time and time again. People never change. People change every day. But we have this myth where, you know, and I think, again, it's the narrative that I, I, I never, ever say to anybody, no, pe it, it's the people who have ruined this. It's the people who haven't taken this on board. It's the, you know, we put in the right, beautiful, most beautiful system, and it's the people that ruined it. That's rubbish. That's no, absolutely. Absolutely. You know? So I, I think that's the issue that we're dealing with. This whole range of, you know, let's lump it onto something else again. Let's put it down at the people. It's absolutely not a people issue. It's the whole process culture and addressing the, the, the norms, uh, uh, you know, of what we think is good. You know, why, are those th why, why do we think it's good to give somebody a system and just say, here, use that, but not really thinking about designing it from a human perspective and basing it on the decisions that they need to, they need to take? I mean, I've seen hundreds, if not thousands of dashboards and data products that are never used. I call it the data, you know, the dashboard graveyard, as far as I'm concerned. And you look at most, so that is not about being data um, literate. 
that is a, just about bad design. And that's what you find that everybody's blaming, you know, the people about data literacy. It's, it's rubbish. And to your point, the technology vendors say, oh, it's so easy to use and self-service. So what happens is every single individual in the organization starts to self-service. Yeah. And now you've got a sprawl of dashboards that nobody uses and Correct. there's no clear, Correct. like, what's the value proper? What information is it telling me about my business? I don't know. Why are you doing it? That's, that's you know, the first thing I say is, you know, when someone says to me, I need to do something, I'll say, okay, why are you going to do that? And they'll say, uh, yeah, um, for this reason. I said, well, what, do you, what, what decision are you making or what action are you taking? And then you start to get the better conversations. But if you're, if you're going in and saying, well, all of these users are data illiterate, they all need to go on a, on a training program where we're going to teach them R and Python. Well, what's the point in that? The enablement is really at the level of you speak to the users about what is it that they're attempting to achieve. And then you think about the way that you're going to design it for the human. Because that's how they work. So again, I'm not really talking about data. I'm talking about decisioning, which is really where we need to get to. I read Laurian, Laurian Pratt's book called Link, you know, and she talks about decision intelligence, and that's the basis of it. We can have all the most fantastic algorithms in the world doing stuff, but if we don't know what decision we're taking with it, well, what's the point? But we blame the fact that people aren't data, data literate. Fair enough. Come on. You know, we've got to move away from that. And I think, you know, look, I, I, I think it's more a cultural aspect. I think we have been drawn into many of the same cycles. People, you know, I remember um, implementing ERP systems. What happened? They were terrible because people, people can't change or they're not, they're not literate at software applications. Well, there you go. You know, there's another word that was used back then. Then CRM came along. And oh my goodness, CRM, it's, you know, it's going to change the world, but people aren't onboarding it because they, want, they, they don't want to give their data away. Well, actually, if you'd, you know, if you'd done it based on the human being, they probably might have done. The human-centric design, yeah. There's a lot of what you're saying which goes into the design thinking principles um, Absolutely. You know, that, that, a, that yes. a lot of digital strategists are thinking about, don't you think? And, and I, yeah, I, I have used the design thinking aspect for data strategy for the last, gosh, you know, since I started working in this area um, in various different guises. But, you know, it, it, it makes sense to use the design thinking aspect because then you're infusing more of the, the issues up front and you're, you're challenged by the culture and you're really looking at the nuances when you're building a product. Um, and that's where you need to be rather than trying to do it at the end, uh, you know, of, of the, the value chain and, and where people haven't really been bought in. So I think design thinking is a huge aspect here. And I mean, we use canvases galore, you know, and I've created several canvases for those reasons, because I found that when I, when I would engage with, with companies um, and we'd sit and talk, I would find data architects and data analysts and data scientists and, you know, and the business people uh, are on one side and those on the other, the data or technology people on the other, and they'd be talking a completely different language. So if you use the design thinking process, you are talking a unified language, you're able to communicate more effectively, and you're able to arrive at better solutions. Empathize the user, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's, this is very nicely said. I think this goes well to your pyramid structure, to the strategy process and the people and culture, right? Yeah. So w when you put design thinking in the middle of all of that, 
it doesn't matter whether you're building a data strategy, a digital strategy, an AI strategy, throw all the strategy words in there. These three will fit in nicely because now you're focused on the business and the people and less about the technology and all these other aspects of it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. So uh, with all of this said, Samir, you know, how do you, uh, how do you see data strategy or would it change, say, 10 years from now, especially with, uh, you know, all these regulatory compliance? You know, in the U.S., we have CCPA that followed GDPR, and now CCPA is becoming more and more relevant for more and more states, right? And then yeah, you've got yeah. now the, the data explosion after the COVID, you know, becoming digitally transforming organizations without even getting ready for it. Do you think the fundamentals of data strategy will change 10 years from now in the future, or the fundamentals remains, maybe the thinking will change of how to use data to our advantage? It's a good question. I think the future of data is is huge in terms of privacy and um, taking back control of our data. And if, you know, and we could talk about the realms of ethics yeah. and monetization and things like that. But I think fundamentally, look, Data strategy, however you want to call it, may be called something else in the future. But for me, if even if I'm going to do an AI strategy, for example, that AI strategy is nothing without the data piece. And fundamentally, that is a modeling aspect. It's it's what I want to do to achieve with the t- you know a bunch of models that I'm going to create. But essentially, if I look at the whole overarching view again, I'm back at business strategy. So I think. You know, whatever it is, the dimension that we're going to be in, you know, in 10, 20, 30, 40 years, we're still going to be saying, what's the plan that we can, we, we can put in place, the roadmap to leverage our data to create competitive advantage? Um, it, it's, it's that simple again. It's, it's the definition of data strategy. It should blend into business strategy, as I said. So I don't think it's going it, to, it's not going to change. I think the tools and technology, of course, will absolutely get better over time. I think it's, it's, it's again infusing the human aspect of it all. Because I think while we got, you know, gun ahead with technology and we're, oh, everyone's going to be a robot and, you know, there's, there's going to be people serving you a pizza, you know, in 10 seconds because it was made by a robot. Fair enough. But as human beings, we still need to think about those competitive advantage areas. We still need to build those strategies out, right? right. So I think for me, I have come from an area of business strategy. That's why I think in this way. So, you know, my view is I, I am a strategist, yeah? Whether it's a business strategist or a data strategist. Right now, I'm a data strategist. But in the future, I would just be seamlessly a business strategist saying, how are we going to create the next bit of competitive advantage? We need all of these factors. And part of that fabric will be data. Part of that fabric will be culture. Part of that fabric will be people. So I think we've got to look at it in that way. Um, you know, and we're going to have more social issue, issues as well, you know, as, as we, uh, as we uh, gun ahead with data and the explosion of data. Um, and we are going to see that I think more and more, as we're seeing with CCPA and GDPR and whatever new laws the, the, the UK comes out with once we drive the new uh, privacy laws, right. I hope it will be putting the control back into the hands of the general people. That's a fantastic way to say it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think yeah. in the future, individual like myself will have, hopefully will have full control over my data 
And that is my information, the, the transactions that I'm doing, my family, where I live, how, what is my phone number, all of that information about me, and more importantly, my health records, right? And Correct. essentially, I will determine if an organization can use it or not. I think that's going to be a big change because, you know, for me, personally speaking, I don't care about a pretty user interface that shows me information about my health records. I care about, are they correct? Are they showing, if I have any problems, do they know what it is? Are they up to date on doctor notes? You know, that's what I care about when it comes to my health record, right? You, you mm -hmm. brought up a good point. For me, the future is going to be data at the hands of individuals like you and I who can control how an organization can use my data to their advantage if I allow them to do so, right? So more privacy on my side, more control on individuals that, than the organizations like Google controlling it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's going to be, that's bound to be the future of data. And I've spoken, it. I hope to speak more, more with him, but John Thompson, you know, is definitely one of those people who's looking at, where that direction is going um and we'll we'll be writing a book on the future of data but the other thing you know that we've we've seen now is we've got the data commons that you know i think there was a paper that came out a couple of years ago where the the eu came up with the idea of the data commons um and that is going to be essentially the data dividend which they're which they're terming it as which is how a a, a person can can flex their muscle by how you know companies use their data. Well, you know, if I'm an ethical person, if I've got ethics around, say, I don't know, uh, killing animals, for example, uh, or, or you know, well, then I'm not going to be giving my data over to companies that you know slaughter slaughter animals and you know create meat products out of it, for example. I may not do that. I may, or I may charge them tens of thousands more that I wouldn't charge somebody else. So I'm just using a very wide example. No, that's a great example. I will make sure I put that in the show notes, the data commons. It could be the way that we, we, we operate. And, and, you know, that control is then deemed necessary because of ethical bias. You know, I hope that we have more trans, transparency in models. I hope that we have, you know, more diversity in models. Um, and, and I hope that we, we understand the way that they operate and, and what decisions they make. So I think that's got to be key around not just the future of data around me personally controlling and advocating for my data, but equally the other areas where, where people are building models that I want to make sure uh, that there is, you know, transparency in those. Absolutely. Talking about conferences and events, let's uh, let's take a couple of minutes. So you started the data strategy show. I'm a big fan, by the way. Um, you have some amazing <laughs> oh, <thank you>. speakers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic what, people. I mean, you, yeah. the, the amount of research you do on your speakers and and how you bring the data value, the business value out of them is just phenomenal. What is your motivation behind the the podcast? And and you know, is there anything you can share that you learned? with all the phenomenal speakers you had. What have you learned that was fundamentally different when you started the show versus shaped your thinking over, over the last few shows? I love doing the show, by the way. I love doing the data strategy show. And I think there's something that you've hit upon. What I like doing, and it's something that I've always done since I was a kid. I, I, I like um, understanding people. I, I like understanding their motivations. I like 
um, understanding what they've done, what they've said, why they've said it, and really asking those questions about people and their thoughts and 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 you know their strategies and their views. And I think it's it it just comes from me as a, as a kid. I wrote uh, plays and and I used to do a lot of drama um, and performances and so on. And I think it's just you know from that I've just got a real interest in people. And the show came about last year. I had a previous set of um, about four years ago. I I bought something out called Data Leaders, and unfortunately, I got so uh, busy that I I had to to, to stop doing it. Um, but but essentially, that was picking up from that that view, but widening it to to what I know best, and that's data strategy. And then speaking to people about various different conversations around, you know, how is data strategy helping? to support business to drive value today um, and for the future. And all of the people have just given me uh, fantastic insights into not only monetization, but, um, you know, through to privacy, through to sports, you know, how sports uh, companies use analytics. So so for me, I think it's it's a learning experience. Look, I don't know everything, right? I am by far, I'm always learning. I'm learning from those people. There, you know, I I think that's the selfish motive. I probably wanted it for, but I I also equally like understanding people, as I said. So when I do extensive research, and and people are often quite surprised that I will have researched quite a bit about them and be able to talk about stuff that they mentioned in a in a passing article or a, a phrase they used many years ago that is still pertinent to, to today. So I've had many people really surprised, but that's the value out of doing these things. And, and I also just felt like there wasn't really, there were tech podcasts, there were, you know, various data science podcasts, there were various marketing podcasts and things like that. But I never really saw a podcast that was aimed around the the, the business side of, of data. Um, and, and, and that's what I wanted to do. So it's simply one from being a little bit selfish, because I wanted to learn more from from as many people as I could. Uh, but But two, because I just love to understand people and really get to to grips of what's going on in the industry and how we can help businesses. It is unique. We will make sure we put the link in our show notes as well. Along those lines, I'm assuming that's why you started the community events. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your community. The event itself was just phenomenal. Well, that's really kind of you. You've done a good job in not just assembling the team, but also you're very... One thing I've noticed is that you're very targeted. You know, It's not some generic, hey, let's sit down for a cup of coffee and talk about things. You want specific topics to be addressed in the community, which is good because you don't want people going down the rabbit holes. So is that your motivation as well as you're learning from these people? You now want to materialize it, I guess? Yeah. And, and I think, look, some of the people who, are, who, who came on the podcast are absolutely are part of the data strategy community. And I, and I call it a salon because I feel that, you know, we're, yes. we're generating ideas, we're helping each other, we're striving to become better. And we, we, we want to be able to, uh, you know, impact the companies that we're, we're working for. And the thing is, I'm, uh, you know, I saw again, something that was a lot of people were coming to me and saying, listen, Smith, you know, I've got lots of questions about data strategy. How do we do this? How do we do that? I simply couldn't respond to everybody. So from my perspective, because obviously I've got a business to run, I've got clients to de- deliver to, you know, I, I, I've got the data strategy show to, to run as well. And not to say, you know, but, but it was just becoming quite overwhelming. So I thought, look, now's the right time. I can, I can, 
I can create this community salon, this data strategy community that can help each other. And and why not? Because that's, and, and, and it's comprised of everybody. Everybody's welcome. You can be a business leader. You could be a technology leader. You could be a data leader. So, and, and that's the thing. I often see that that triumvirate doesn't really, you know, gel in the way that they should when they're trying to to drive out strategies for their companies. So I think this re- this forum is really for those people out there to bring their questions to say, look, I've got these questions. I sit back, I, and and the 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 as you called it, the team, you know, the community help each other to articulate where they've done it and how they've done it, and and what the successes were or what the failures were, so that people don't have to go through failing time and time again, and they can learn from each other. So simply, that's the motive, um, and the modus operandi. And you're right, you know, it's really targeted. Because I want to make sure that an hour of everybody's time is used appropriately to create value and for everybody to walk away from that to say, oh my goodness, I learned about how to tackle, you know, cultural change or I learned why I need to put design thinking into the process or, you know, what I need to do in terms of regional versus country, country versus local uh, analytics and so on. So I think it's really important that those conversations happen and and it's not about me so it's about everybody else which is how it should be so that's the reasons that I've done it and uh, you know I'm glad you like the first one absolutely I, I would say that the one recommendation for the salon is that you have to find a way to publish the you know the, the information you've gathered because I, I feel it's extremely valuable I mean it, I learned a lot I don't have enough time, Arvind. <laughs> I, I'm hoping that the, the community at large will help us do that. Fair enough. You know, and I think that's the thing. It shouldn't, shouldn't just be falling on, the, on my shoulders as a responsibility. And, and you know, I, I think we all benefit from it in that way as well. We do. We do. Samir, you've been a thought leader and clearly articulated why data strategy and business strategy is absolutely critical for an organization. It's been an absolute pleasure for me to have you in the show. I thoroughly enjoyed our chat and looking forward to hearing more from you in your podcast and your community events. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Intelligent Data with Arvind Morali. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. You can find this season along with show notes at Perficient.com. Or listen to this series on top podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, or Amazon.